This is MSF Torah. It's not just a podcast. It's an in-depth analysis of the fundamentals of Torah. Presenting the truth as seen through the eyes of the Torah. Don't forget to follow the podcast, visit our website at msoftorah.com and join Patreon for exclusive content. Can we prove God's existence? That's the question that we're going to come to deal with the next couple of times. Now, before we deal with the question, we actually have to define the terms of the question. So what does it mean when we ask, can we prove God's existence? What it normally means is somebody who would be asking such a question would normally want to ask it in the, if I would ask him to unpack this question, what it would normally mean is as follows. He'd be asking, can you show me evidence of the existence of God, which leaves absolutely no room for doubt? Can you show me evidence that allows me to believe with absolute certainty in the existence of God. Just like I know that one plus one equals two, just like I know if it's raining outside, I could show you, so too can you provide evidence to God's existence with that level of certainty. Now, before we even answer that question, I would respond back and say, whatever the answer is going to be, which we'll get to, can you absolutely prove that God doesn't exist? Can you show me with absolute certainty that there is no God? Can you absolutely prove that there is no God in the world? And the answer to that, of course, is no. The truth is the answer to the existence of God in the absolute proof sense is also really no. So they're really both no. So we can admit that we cannot absolutely prove God. But on the same token, those who don't believe in God will also have to admit that they cannot absolutely prove that God does not exist. If that's the case, then simply what we have to do is ask for a lower standard of proof. We cannot incontrovertibly prove whether God exists or or doesn't, but the reality is that God either exists or does not. So that means we have to find a standard That suffices for us. We have to be able to make a decision based on evidence, based on logic, based on rationale. So apparently we can't find an absolute proof for God, but you also can't find an absolute proof that God does not exist. So what do we do? The answer is that we do everything we do in all other areas of life, which we're going to expand upon. Now, as an aside, I just want to mention that there is a sentiment out there that says that if you're making an assertion, you have to prove it. So you're claiming that God exists, you prove it. If you can prove it, I don't have to believe it. And don't change it onto me and say that I have to prove that God doesn't exist because you're making the claim. That's what some people like to say. So first of all, we're not really making a claim over here. We're stating a proposition. The question is, is there a God? And now we're going to ask to bring evidence for or against that proposition. We're not coming to claim that there is a God. Now, really, secondly, the reason why the second problem with this argument over here is that the reason why somebody who makes a claim has to bring the proof is because if not, you can make any claim you want and say it's true until you can disprove it. So for example, if I say I believe in fairies and I say, go ahead and disprove it. Now, if you can't disprove it, so obviously it does not give me the right to say that I have conclusively proven that there are fairies. A lack of a disproof is not a good proof. So we understand, in theory, this claim. We do understand that if somebody comes along and says, I believe this, let's say, I believe in Yitzhiya Mitzrayim, go ahead, disprove it. And if you can't disprove it, then I will still believe it. Okay, that is, there's an aspect of intellectual dishonesty about that, because you're not starting from scratch, you're starting from an assumption already. If you can't break my assumption, if you can't disprove my assumption, then I could continue to believe what I want, but I haven't really provided any evidence that it's true. So in that sense, that is true, that if somebody wants to make a claim, really the burden of proof is on him. But first of all, like I said, again, we're not taking, we're not making a claim over here. I'm not saying there is a God, now go disprove it. We're simply saying, can we prove God? Let's start from scratch. 
is there evidence to God's existence or not? Now, if somebody comes and says, I will only accept evidence if it's an absolute proof, if there's absolutely no way of under, of thinking the opposite, meaning I must, with absolute certainty, I could say that God exists. And until that, I won't accept it. Well, if you're going to be consistent and fair, then you should also accept the, the opposite, which is that if I don't have absolute proof for the fact that God doesn't exist, I shouldn't be able to accept that doubt. If you're only willing to accept evidence when it's absolutely foolproof, then that should be consistent on both sides, whether that proving God or not proving God. So that's not really a fair argument to, to respond over here. The point right now is we're starting from scratch and we're saying, let's bring evidence to the table, whether there is God or not. And if you're, again, if you're going to say, I don't accept any proof unless it's absolute, well, then I don't have to say the, the response, that same thing with the non-existence of God. That means that you cannot absolute, absolutely prove the existence of God. That I think is true. And you cannot absolutely prove the non-existence of God. That also is true. That means that there's got to be a, a lower standard, we'll call it, if we want to figure out whether God exists or not. Do we have sufficient evidence to believe God exists? Does a rational, logical mind have sufficient evidence to believe in the existence of God? That's our question. Because again, either God exists or doesn't, and we have to make a decision. And we usually, we should be making our decisions based on rationality and logic as well. So what does the evidence show about this? So we are open. We're open to hearing any evidence for or against the proposition whether of whether God exists or not. But like we're pointing out, your criteria cannot believe abs- cannot be absolute proof. If it is absolute proof, then that's not fair internally in this discussion because you don't have absolute proof about the, the the fact that God doesn't exist. And as well as we're going to point out, it's actually very dishonest because you actually don't have absolute proof for many, actually most things. So we said, coming back to a little bit how we started, we said that there, there might, it might seem like a problem to those believers if I say to you that there's no absolute proof for God. But the truth is, it's really not a problem at all. The reality is that every single decision in our lives is made with the same type of proof that we're going to bring for God's existence. The definition of proof is as follows from the dictionary, the cogency of evidence that compels acceptance by the mind of a truth or a fact. And it is not the negation of the impossibility of the opposite of a claim. That's not the definition. The definition, again, is the cogency of evidence that compels acceptance by the mind of a truth or of a fact. Does the evidence presented over here compel the mind to believe in the existence of God. So that's really the question we're asking. We're not asking, can we absolutely prove God? Because no, you cannot absolutely prove God. And we're going to see, we cannot absolutely prove most things in life. We're asking, can we give enough evidence that the mind is able to accept the truth of God's existence? And if that's the case, the answer, as we're going to see to me, is going to be yes. So if we can rephrase to answer the question, yes, we can prove God, except it depends what proof means. So does a person have proof that his parents are really his parents? It could be. It's probably likely, but it also could be not true. It could be that there's two people who just kidnapped you as a baby and they took all these pictures and they got everybody else to get in on the lie and so on and so forth. Even DNA is not necessarily an absolute proof. It doesn't have to be. You could simply, it could be that you have the same DNA. Nothing is in, in that sense is an absolute proof. Most things in life are not like that. A person is about to take a drink of water. Does a person have absolute proof that this drink is not poisoned? No. Yet the person is quote unquote willing to risk his life on that. And he's willing to put himself out there. And despite the fact that he has no absolute proof that it's not poisoned, he's actually going to drink. Why is he going to drink? The answer is because in reality, we don't deal with such things. We almost don't know anything in an absolute sense. Yet we go by with our lives based on the best knowledge available to us. 
based on our best understanding of reality, we make all types of choices for us every single day. How do we know we're not living in a alternate reality where something hap- something happens to us, it doesn't really matter, and the rules are completely different, and so on and so forth. Like the, a matrix-type reality where we're not really, it's all artificially implanted in our brains. We don't really know for sure, it could be, but the answer is it doesn't really matter. We live in the quote-unquote best possible way in our relative reality, and if it turns out there's another reality out there, so be it, that we had no way of knowing, okay, but that's not something we could deal with. If we find out about it, then we will. If not, then not. But things that could be, just because something could be, doesn't mean it's something that I actually have to deal with in a serious way. Just because it could be somebody poisoned my drink, or it could be this roof is going to fall on me, it doesn't mean that I have to actually deal with that. And I, just because I can't disprove it. Is it, am I absolutely 1000% certain that there's no poison in this drink? No. Does it make a difference? No. So even if I can't absolutely prove something, I'm willing to bet my life on it. The same thing comes with God. Even if I can't absolutely prove God, or I can't absolutely prove that that Maimon Harsinai was a really was true, was a historical event, that's not the criteria we're looking for. And it's dishonest to ask for such a criteria. If you don't ask for such cogency of an argument of evidence and absolute proof anywhere else in life, then to just pick one place and say, here I want it, is complete dishonesty. You're willing to, like I said before, you're willing to bet your life on certain things that you cannot absolutely prove. Yet over here, only this one area, if you can't absolutely prove God or absolutely prove Maimon Harsinai, then I won't accept it. If I tell you that in your hamburger there's poison, or, or I say maybe there's poison, and you say, so you respond, why would I think there's poison? And you'll continue to eat. Can you absolutely prove that there's no poison? No. But all of a sudden, if you have a cheeseburger, I say to you, that's poison there. That, that's poison for your soul. And then you say to me, well, can you absolutely prove that there was a God, there's a higher Sinai, that the Torah is true? No. So you're going to go ahead and eat it? Again, that's simple dishonesty. If you don't ask for absolute proof, such a standard anywhere in life, then you can't ask for it here as well. So again, when we're asking, can you prove God? We're asking, is there enough evidence that allows the mind to rationally and logically accept the existence of God? That's the definition of proof. And again, to me, I think that based on this real definition of proof, we can prove God. Again, just as another aside, in all court cases, when we talk about have you proved your case, we don't mean have you absolutely proved your case. If Shimon is murdered in the house and there's witness, 100 witnesses saying Reuven went out there, was holding a gun, and uh, he had motive to do it, and his fingerprints are everywhere, and so on and so forth, and they heard a gunshot two minutes before that he ran out, that's not an absolute proof that Reuven killed him. Maybe there's somebody else there that disappeared and nobody saw him. Maybe this, maybe that. There's many things you could say, but in the end of the day, any logical, rational person will, will assume that Reuven's a killer and, and will punish him accordingly, even though it wasn't absolutely proven. Again, because proven in everyday language does not mean absolute proof without any, with the negation of the impossibility of the opposite of the claim. It doesn't mean that at all, and it shouldn't mean that here as well. So let's rephrase. Again, if I ask, can we prove the existence of God, can I give a strong enough evidence to the existence of God that you, that a person can logically and rationally accept this as truth? Again, I think the answer would be yes. So now we've defined proof. Can we prove God? We have to define what we mean by God. In this question, and certainly in the first topic, when we're talking about just about Hashem, or just about God, we're asking if we can prove that there was a creator to the world. We're not asking yet if we can prove that is there a lawgiver to the world? Is there a moral standard to the world or someone who guides the world? That's not our question right now. Our question is very simple. Was there a force that created the world or did the world come into existence randomly from nothing? Those are going to be our two questions. So when we phrase it this way, it's a different, it's a different question. It, we're divorcing it from all moral ideals 
I'm not, we're not coming to prove whether there's Maimon Harsina. We're not coming to say whether you have to keep the Torah or the Quran or the Bible. We're not going to do any of these things. We're not coming to say you have to live a certain moral code. Who knows? Right now, we don't know whether or not there was a moral code given to mankind. No idea. All we're coming to right now, was there a force that created the world? And as we're going to see that it itself was not created. That's really what we're asking when we say, can we prove God right now? Later on, after we've done this, we're going to discuss the proofs to whether or not he gave a Torah at Har Sinai or not. But for now, we're simply asking, are we, can we prove that there is a creator to the world? As a disclaimer, we tend to think that this is all simply about evidence presented, and this is a logical, rational exercise that we're going through. We think this, in short, we think this is all about the brain. We think if you're smart enough, you can handle the truth, you could, you could accept the truth, you could get to the truth. And if you're, the less smart you are, the more difficult it's going to be the to get to the truth. But the truth in that is that it's not true at all. Now let, let's give an analogy. If you're in a court case claiming money from somebody and the judge just happens to be this person's brother, so how are you going to respond to that? So I, I'm, I'm assuming that most of us would ask for a new judge, assuming that's a possibility. And what if I were going to respond to you say, no, no, don't worry. The judge is very, very intelligent, highly, high, highly intelligent person. You're not going to find a smarter judge than he is. He's really, he's the highest intellect he has the highest intellect of all the judges. He got the best on all the scores. Really got A++ on everything he did. He, har- he graduated from Harvard, Yale, whatever it is. He's really the most in- intelligent person, the best judge that you will get. So I highly advise against you getting a new judge. What would you respond? So again, most per- person will respond that, yeah, but he's his brother. So, but, but it doesn't matter. He's very smart. Well, okay, what's going on? What's going on is you're saying that intelligence doesn't is not the only factor over here. You're saying that really the issue here is not intelligence, it's objectivity. And the more intelligence you have does not necessarily offset bias. And sometimes it actually makes it worse. Sometimes a person who's very intelligent, but very biased as well, doesn't recognize his biases. And because he thinks he's intelligent, and he might really be intelligent, might think that he's certainly right and actually doesn't have biases. But bias and intelligence can go together. It's not a contradiction. A person can be very, very intelligent and very, very biased as well. So we're not, the, the issue over here is not intelligence. To me, the issue over here is objectivity. Are you willing to hear both sides? Are you willing to s- start off and say, I'm open to hearing? I don't have a bias to one way or another. I don't want to start with a conclusion. I don't want to have a verdict before the trial. I'm willing to hear. Let's start from scratch. Like we said, we're not coming, we're even not coming to say that there is a God Let's go now. You try and disprove it to all those challengers out there trying to disprove it. That's not what we're doing. We're starting from scratch. We're saying, we don't know. Let's start from the beginning. Let's present evidence that there is a God. Let's talk about the evidence that they bring that there isn't. Let's start from there. But the only way this works is if, there's, if there is objectivity. The truth is, because just like that judge is very invested and would certainly want his brother to win the court case, so are we. Whether we like it or not, we are all extremely invested in this question. That doesn't necessarily mean that we're biased. It just means that we certainly can be very biased in this question. There's a lot to gain, a lot to lose with this question. If God is real, then even though we're not talking right now about the laws that he gives, but we will eventually get there, and people tend to put them together, and for good reason to a certain extent, that we know if their God is real, that there's a certain lifestyle that we cannot have or that we should be doing. 
There's a lot of things we can and can't do. Now, really, in essence, the fact that I can't be independent and I can't think, in a certain extent, think for myself. I don't mean to say God stuffs your intellectual creativity. That's not the point. But there are certain things that are objectively right, objectively wrong, that God will tell us, potentially will tell us. And if, as long as we have somebody lording over us, as it were, deciding what's right and deciding what's wrong, deciding how we should live our lives as opposed to not, there's a tremendous amount of potential bias in that. Besides for the fact of the base pleasures of the world, that we can't do certain very, very base things, foods, women, and all the, sort, all the other things, whatever it's going to be, besides for that, which is in and itself is a tremendous bias, but simply the fact that there are there is somebody above us who's telling us what's right or what's wrong, telling us what we have to do, even though that's not the right perspective, but that is a perspective a lot of people feel like it is, that someone's telling us what we have to do, that in itself is a tremendous, is, makes us invested, and it makes a lot of people very biased as well. Independence is, is at the core of human consciousness. People naturally do not like to be told what to do. So if you have somebody who's telling you what to do for your entire life and for eternity, if you're able to come to a conclusion that allows you to subjectively live in a reality where you think that's true, i.e. that God doesn't exist, you're probably going to want to do that. So unless you're super careful about being biased over here, you will be biased. So the only way to do that is, again, there's, it's nothing that you could do about emotions. Emotions will come one way or another, but at least tell yourself that you want to be objective about this question. This is the most important question in a person's life. It's a very basic question, probably the most basic and most important question, is there a God or not? You want to at least deal with it obje- objectively, even though it might come to the conclusion where you, that you don't want, it might make you do certain things that you don't want to have to do, it might make you give up certain things, it might make you change your lifestyle, fine, but the truth is more important than that. If you're willing to say, a person is willing to say, I value truth much more than I value pleasure or I value convenience, then it's going to be an easier time. A person's going to have an easier time. If a person's not willing to do that, then forget it. There's nothing, there's almost nothing you could say to such a person going to convince him differently than what he thinks. So even if I were to argue with somebody and bring all the proofs to God's existence and he didn't accept it, that's not necessarily a weakness in the proof. It could be a weakness in the character of the person. Now, I don't mean to say that everybody who doesn't believe in God is by definition biased. It's not the point over here. And I don't mean to say that everybody who believes in God is not biased. That's also not the point. The point just is really what Rebbe Khanan tells us, that he says that the belief in Hashem is very simple. Certainly the main explanation as to why a person wouldn't believe is because there's a bias. That doesn't mean to say that we're not biased. We could also be biased, sure. He just means to say that since it's such a simple fact that God exists, he's really asking why is it, why don't, don't people don't, don't believe that he exists? And his answer is bias. And that's a hundred percent true. There are many people who have many biases. Again, it doesn't mean to say they're the only ones who are biased, but it means to say that there are, there could be a very simple fact, obviously true, but people won't believe it. And he's saying that that's not a weakness in the evidence to the fact. It's actually just a weakness of the person. Human beings are weak. We're biased. We like, we tend to make decisions based on what we like as opposed to what's true. So if a person really wants the truth, he has to put those all aside. And this is, goes for any topic that we have. A lot of times it's a person's personal weakness. He doesn't want to, he has tivas or doesn't like to be told what to do. Or it's societal pressure that society has said certain things, doesn't want to be looked at as an outcast. Whatever the pressures are, whatever the biases are, we have to really try and put that aside. If we're pursuing truth, if we want to understand something that's true, it needs to be put aside. So with that approach, we could prop with the definition of the question, can we prove God? Can we show that there's strong evidence to the existence of the Creator without any bias on our part? We're going to try and do that right now.
exclusive content on Patreon. You can submit your question and get them answered only for members on Patreon. Don't forget to check out our own website, msofterror.com. And remember, we are wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Subscribe to know when the next episode is being released. The podcast is produced by Ellie Podcast Productions. <laughs>